0: House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres.
1: So uh, today we've got a great guest, and um, uh, she's uh, written a, a new book that's oh, August thirty first, called Little Al, and uh, she's uh, got a podcast and. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> and uh, so uh, we're going to welcome her, Laurie thank uh, Thanks for being here.
2: Thank you for having me here, Alan and Michael. I'm super excited to be here.
1: <laughs> You'll be crying in an hour. Um, <laughs> this is this is good. So listen, uh, this is uh, now this is your first book, on, I think, right? Correct.
2: It is, yes.
1: Mm. So, what gave you? This is a tough one now. So sit down. What gave you the courage to actually? decide that you could write a book and put yourself out there for everybody because everybody nowadays can just you know social media and internet what 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 was it that lit that fire to make you actually write this book
2: oh my goodness okay to start your first question I did not set out to write a novel I um, actually was going through massive panic attacks within my life eleven years ago. And a lot of the panic attacks that I was having um, stem from PTSD and a lot of fears that I was feeling within my own life. And I tried a lot of um, different ways to be able to get help and support with my PTSD and fear and nothing was quite working until uh, one morning I had two little girls who were watching a show. Um, My oldest was two. My youngest was like six months old. And that's when the panic attack started of I felt that something really horrible was going to happen to my kids. And I remember telling myself, like, okay, we're fine. Nothing's wrong. But as I went to get in the shower, I lasted maybe two minutes Um, as I couldn't hear my girls laughing or talking. And I was sure that something bad happened to my kids, and that's when the panic attack came in. And when I went out, they were out in the front room smiling and laughing, and they were fine. But what set off the whole idea for this story was originally that fear of, what would I do if I really did lose my daughters? Um, And that's what propelled me into examining and writing Little owl.
1: Is that kind of fear something that is common with what you say is PTSD? Like a fear Um, of losing something important, maybe your child or your spouse or your dog or whatever, whoever's really close to you, is that kind of a common thing?
2: Yeah, for my personal experience, um, when I grew up, so I grew up with um, physical, emotional, and sexual violence within my home. And so the PTSD is the trauma of even when things are good within my life, uh, for a long time I feared that, okay, things are getting really good, so something horrible is going to happen at any second. Um, The fear was very, very heightened within my experience. Of don't get too comfortable because your world is about ready to be topside. Um, so yeah, for me, the PTSD definitely stemmed in my fear for a long time.
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. And that must be really a kind of that must be a big thing going on right now with you know the pandemic, the last couple of years, and the, and all the turmoil going on in the last couple of years. Um, do you think that a lot of people are going to be suffering from it and don't really un- know that they're suffering?
2: Oh, absolutely. I've actually seen, even within my own children, you know, they're preteens and teens now, but just with some of the issues that we're going through within the world, um, they're processing their own set of PTSD of trying to understand, you know, how to be able to be themselves in a world that feels so angry sometimes, you know, how to stay safe in places where you're told that you're not safe. Um, There's so many layers. Happening right now, um, where I absolutely do think that PTSD is very innate um, within each one of us in different ways, for sure.
1: What do you think the key thing is people should uh, um, recognize, or what what is it that they should um, realize? In their life, if, if, if you know what I'm saying, oh, how do I say? So in order for someone to understand that, that they're going through it, a lot of times they don't. they don't see that they're in this um, situation right away. Is there some sort of sign or something that um, they should look for?
2: That's a really great question of I would say because normally when you're feeling PTSD, the instant reaction is to be very um, very like impulsive. On what you're feeling in that moment and we oftentimes don't actually pause to ask the questions of holy crap I'm super triggered by this post or I'm triggered by you know something my neighbor just said why do I feel this way and so just taking that moment to pause and check in with how you're feeling is the first step of wow okay, this trigger is not mine. It came from something that my neighbor or someone on social media said, but that's something that has affected me and it's a part of who I am, not a part of who they are. And then they get the opportunity to kind of investigate on their own, why am I feeling this fear? Why am I feeling this anger? Why am I feeling this sense of sorrow instantly and I was fine five seconds ago? Um... And so that's the first step, really, is just investigating and checking in with your own feelings and emotions rather than instantly reacting to something someone says
0: and does. Lori, uh, is another component of that is uh, an enduring feeling more than just like an initial one, but it keeps on uh, keep going on for weeks?
2: Yep, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really great question, too, Michael. Um, and that's where... Very heightened anxiety and PTSD form is it's one moment building into 20. So when you're feeling something, but you don't respond to it when you're feeling it, and then it compiles and keeps going, all these emotions just on top of each other. It is literally like you're building this tower of fear, anger, shame, rage, guilt, all of these emotions. And that's when it gets to the point where. Even something that may have been simple for you a few months ago, like picking up your daughter or, you know, calling someone on the phone, you start feeling a lot of this anxiety and panic within your body because it's all this emotion that's built up over a certain amount of time that has not been processed or looked at.
0: So the – and also maybe uh, sharing this with others, for example – there's this podcast called Enlightenment Podcast, Al, which is a really excellent podcast for sharing it. Oh, that's yours, Lori. <laughs> <laughs> you yes, have a podcast? It is.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> so have you, have you had people uh, share that on your podcast?
2: Yes. Um, the Enlightenment Podcast is something that was actually built for people to be able to share their own hero's journey and to know that they're not alone, that there are spaces of fear and failure, but also spaces of success and celebration, as life will give us both. Um, And so, yeah, the Enlightenment podcast is a place for those who would like to share their hero story, as we all have one, we all have a story and a voice, Um, to be able to just share their experience, which I have loved so much because I feel that that, once we start listening to other people's stories, that's when communication happens as well as connection. Um, and that's a really key beginning step of trying to understand one another as a whole in society, I believe, too.
1: Well, society needs that, too, right now.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, so when you get into the book Little Owl, are you putting a lot of yourself into a particular character or all of the characters?
2: Um, all of the characters, it is a multiple POV story. I have one main character, her name is Adeline Reschner, and six secondary characters. And every character has a little piece of me within their journey and their story.
0: The husband, Cash, is, he's like in denial of this? Yeah, yep.
2: Um, so when the girls go missing and then they're presumed dead. Adeline cannot accept that her girls are gone. So she's in a sense of denial of trying to find the truth and trying to find where her daughters are. Cash is in denial of, I don't want to feel this, and so he's kind of almost in a space of blocking and pretending that it's not happening and is trying to just move on. And so they're both they really both battle each other. There's a massive lack of communication as they're both trying to get through their own fears and their own sorrow and loss, but they're on completely different sides of how they're trying to do that. And so instead of coming together as a couple, this is a thing that actually really pushes them further apart in their moment of absolute pain and loss.
1: How do you develop each character? Um... Are you taking that off of someone you've, you've talked to, someone you know, um, like when they're going through something? Because I imagine it's quite emotional. So you have a character that's in denial or you have some, you know, the marriage has got a problem. So you've got these things that are, um, you know, quite, quite emotional going on. How do you write down and go through a character's time in your story?
2: Very two. gently and slowly,
1: Alan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on! I like it. Come on! You've got to be rough and hard. No, but I mean, you've got you've got you've got to go through it in your mind. So you're sitting there, and you, and you're creating the character, and you're talking about their you know what they're going to say and do and how they're behaving and stuff. But you've got to be fairly detailed, or people are not going to believe it, right? They're not going to go, you know, they'll lose kind of interest. So so you've got to be very particular and your character's got to be very real uh, when they're going through these emotions and, and these problems. Otherwise, you know, it, it, people lose interest. So, so how is it that you do that yourself? Like, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm trying to get, come on, tell us who the real characters <laughs> are. Come on, come on, give us
2: so phone numbers. <laughs> I am a people watcher, which is so fun because I take pieces of myself of different things that I am personally experiencing or going through and place them in each of the characters. But then I also people watch. And I really, um, since the time I was a little girl, I really liked investigating and people watching to see who I thought these people were and what was going on within their lives and why they were sad, why they were happy. I was very introspective from the time I was little. And so... I do that. I go to a park bench, and I just observe people, um, how they're interacting with one another. And then I start asking the questions. I wonder, why are they looking sad? Why are they sitting down with the geese and the ducks in the park, um, you know, and spending long hours here? Like, what kind of story do they have that that's what they like to do? And then, you know, it just kind of takes off from there. But Going back to um, me being in each piece of the character, there's one character, um, Officer Abbott within the book, he's really struggling with addiction and so I was able to place that part of myself within his character of what addiction feels like and how it unravels so many parts of yourself that you're not aware of when you're in the moment of being addicted. In Adeline, she does not have a voice. She is still trapped in in this unhealed space of trauma and PTSD. I took that part of myself and placed that in Adeline um, to really give depth and emotion. So I'm feeling the emotion that is on the paper with Adeline, having the empathy right there with her as my character, understanding because I've been to that space before. And so when I say gently... Um, there is a lot of anger and a lot of crying. I have a punching bag by my writing desk, Ellen and Michael, and I also have tissues because I do go there. I allow myself to feel it, but I also know when I'm in that space that I'm going to be really angry after and I'm going to be really upset because I am going to that place that is dark and scary and traumatic, and... Um, And it's going to leave me afterward after I'm done with that scene filling all the fills, too. So um, I kind of mesh both pieces, people watching and also bringing in my own personal
0: experiences. Well, Al, that makes sense now because I have a photograph of you (laughs) on my dartboard. I get it (laughs) now. Thank you, Lori. (laughs) I
1: was going to say that, yeah, what's the name of your punching bag? Is that your, like, husband or something?
0: (laughs)
2: No, but I do pre-warn him. I actually tell my husband, like, um, what, so when I first started writing scenes and I didn't pre-warn him, the poor guy was like, what, what, what's going on here? Like, are you okay? Because <laughs> I would just get so involved in their world. And he's like, you're fine before you went downstairs. Are you sure this is really helping you? Should I be concerned right now? um but yeah no it's not my pun- it's not my husband i do have a punching bag downstairs that i asked for my birthday uh, last year and it doesn't have a name but it is it needs one it's amazing
1: yeah 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 <laughs> um is is your husband around can we talk to him <laughs>
2: He's not, but I'm sure he can give you all sorts of details on what he sees with me as a writer that most will never see. Well, I just want to make sure
1: he's okay, right? Like he can just, you know, just, you know, put one finger up if you need help. That's what, you know, just tell, like, just tell us what's going on. You know, I mean, uh, that's all.
2: He's under the tarp. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, mean, I was right. just like, yeah,
1: he's probably chained <laughs> up in the basement, right? And beaten. I can see it. I, I just well so 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 you're telling us it's not safe to be sitting in a coffee shop or in a park if if they're in the same town as you because <laughs> you could be watching and writing about their life and putting it out in a book yeah yep uh,
2: yep that's pretty much what I just said yeah <laughs> wow
1: I mean that's you know uh, <laughs> that's crazy but I, I okay so i i'll just keep an eye on on that and I just uh I don't go out anyway nobody wants to see me so. Um, it's
2: safe to stay home then, Ellen. Well,
1: it's yeah. just I've been home for years. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't let me out. Uh, I'm on lockdown. Uh, That's for a different matter. But, um, wow. So what is, what is it? Do you have a um, subtext then in this story? So you've got the story going along with the family and, and what, you know, this, this traumatic event, missing children and, and what's going on. But do you have kind of a subtext plot to this? Is there something that um, you want someone that reads it to get out of it, other than the story?
2: Yes. Um, The subtext would be, you know, each one of these characters are going through their own sense of fear and anxiety and their own shame story. And um, it's a whole journey within the book of trying to understand who they are versus what they thought they had to be for someone else. Um, And so it is a self-discovery journey for each one of these characters of who are you going to be for yourself, not for someone else to find the answers you need to be able to move forward within your own life, Um, which I feel is very powerful to be able to have that self-discovery journey of knowing it's okay to have fear. It's normal to have fear. It's normal to feel anger. It's normal to feel joy. Um, but it is your journey, and nobody can do your journey for you but you.
1: So. Hmm. So, so the character Cash, the husband, uh, it, it, did you create him from, let's say, someone you knew, like Nikki?
2: <laughs> no, actually, I kind of wanted to say yes, just because, you, <laughs> but no. <laughs>
1: We want some dirt here. Come on. Some some controversy going on here, you know? Uh,
2: oh, you know? I, Cash was just built on what the opposite of Adeline would be. I really wanted to get some relatability of how marriages work, that they're not all roses, that they are, marriages are work, they're beautiful, but they're also really tough, too. And so I brought in uh, multiple topics where whatever Adeline was doing, <laughs> Cash was doing kind of the opposite, so they were butting heads and trying to figure out how to connect, but yet they couldn't quite connect, and um, yeah, I just threw everyone on their asses, to be very honest, in the story.
0: So. Wow. She's, she's the violent one. Now we're getting the story here. I'm, uh, you know, I'm Mary and I have six kids myself, and I live in the Buffalo area, so wouldn't you know, my fiction novel uh, has the Buffalo area in it. Did uh, something like this happen to you as well? Did you kind of use a, a familiar environment?
2: Yes, I did. Um, so Allen, Utah is actually Delta, Utah. I went up to see a friend a few years ago, and the town is small. It has a very, like, haunted vibe to it where there's broken down houses and antiques. Oh, that's cool. Looking feel, but very eerie. And so when I went through there to see the friend, I knew instantly this has got to be Alling because it just had a whole like very eerie feel and take where you would ask like, okay, this is cool, but also like where are all the people, like what's going on within the house? Is kind of a feel of the town. So yeah,
1: I'm sure they'll be pleased to hear that we broadcast <laughs> Just so you know, and Delta will hear us. So, don't send us the hate mail. <laughs> we'll have Lori's address up on the website. Say, okay? well,
2: you have an eerie and beautiful town, Delta.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're gonna love you. Um, so, where to next then? What do you, what do, you do after something like a Little Owl? Like, what do you? You know, it's just something you want to continue and kind of do in a series sort of of these sort of um, uh, emotional like PTSD and things like these sort of stress and anxiety. Do you want to sort of cover this more?
2: I do. I also am taking a little bit of a break because it is I'm taking a break from writing this specific genre because it is very emotional. So I'm writing a book right now that's a contemporary fiction book that's a little lighter, and then I definitely plan to make this a series, so I will come back again with book two and three. But, yeah, usually after this heavy of an emotional book, um, I go to something a little bit lighter and kind of have a reprieve because it's very emotional and taxing for sure at times.
1: Yeah, you got to give your husband a break. And plus, what, what what what's your other fiction about? Jack the Ripper or something? white. Yeah.
0: <laughs> How did you know? Oh, wow, well, you're good. I, Told
1: you know, you. I've been around, you know. <laughs> I've been around so long that.
0: Al, you know anybody that does that? <laughs> no,
1: no, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm not even going to touch that. But yeah, Mr. <laughs> Mr.
0: Michael there writes about Jack the Ripper. Yeah, because it was his dad. <laughs> well, and the elixir of life, because it really was actually, and it passed on too. So,
1: how do you plan your day of writing? So, do it, it, is it sort of like uh, can you are you the type of person that can schedule? Say, okay, well, this time I'm going to sit down and write, or does it have to come at at an, you know, it's sort of because this is a kind of a different style of book. Um, <laughs> you're dealing with a lot of um, personal emotions as well. So I'm just wondering if you can just turn that on, or if this it has to be at a right time, right place, and you have no choice. When it comes, it comes, and you have to just write. How does that work for you?
2: I, you know, it really works for me to be able to. Um, Put out a certain time in my schedule to write. It didn't used to work so well for me because I used to be kind of like a sergeant to myself when I was writing of like, you've gotta write this amount of words and this is what you need to write. And I didn't do well with that because then my creative flow felt like I had to be a certain type of a writer, a certain type of a person. And so I wasn't really able to write in that space, but when I started um, just allowing myself to listen to my characters and listen to what my heart was telling me to write, even if I didn't know exactly 100% what was going to happen, um, it just naturally flows for me when I'm more open to not, this is what you need to write, and more, okay, here's writing time, we're going to create, here's the paper, let's see what comes out. there's i always find words that come out during that time frame and flow very beautifully when i'm in that space
1: wow what helps you um do you ever get to a point where sometimes you're you're at a block or at a place where it's just not happening and and you need to do something is there some sort of a remedy for you
2: yes i take myself on like little adventures so I'm, I'm very childlike. Um, anyone that meets me, I'm a 38-year-old woman, but I really am like a 12-year-old sometimes. And so when I feel blocked, I'll go and swing on the swings, or I'll go get myself some ice cream, or I'll just drive in my car and drive down the street, turn on some music, full blast, and just allow myself to just be in that sense of play and wonder uh, for a little bit, and then it always just comes back once I have that moment of play and wonder and the break that my heart may be needing in that moment. Hmm.
1: Do you like get drunk, smoke some crack? or?
2: <laughs> you know, Alan, that's the addictive character and we put him on the paper of like, I definitely
1: have <laughs> well, you know.
2: problems with caffeine and, and pills and things like that. And that's it. That didn't turn out so well, even though I thought that it might. No, it didn't turn out so well. Yeah, so you're
1: not, <laughs> you're not driving through Salt Lake trying to score some drugs, and
2: no, I'm just no.
1: <laughs> I, I, you know, I just I, I you know, the, the listeners want to know what what it's like. Um, it's, it's interesting. So when you look back at this project now that you've done it and it's and it's um, finished, so you know, ready to publish here. Mm-hmm. Um, does it make you nervous? Uh, like, or how how is it that you feel now?
2: Uh, very nervous. I This has been a baby that I have worked on for 11 years. And so it was very weird getting ready to be at the point of sending it off to for publication. Because I was like, wait, what do I go to now? Because it's been the thing that I've worked on for 11 years. Instead of multiple novels, I put everything into this book. And so... Um, yeah, it definitely makes me nervous now, like having it go out into the world and you're never sure how it's going to be um, embraced, not embraced, you know, but I'm also very excited. I'm excited that I'm moving on to something new and fresh and that it is done its part and now it's going to just soar on out there and do its thing as well, so.
1: Hmm. How, how do you, so do you like to interact with, with listeners or fans? Um, maybe, of your writing coming up? Um, do you, are you, are you going to like that, or do you shy away from that?
2: Oh, I love people. Um, people are so fascinating, and I learn a lot from people every single day. I really feel like there's a lot that I'm learning about myself, but I also learn a lot from people by seeing how they're showing up in their own world as well. And so, no, I'm always an open book. I love talking to people. I like getting to know you know, what made them tick, what different things they liked about the book, what's going on in their own personal journey. Um, yeah, that's, I love it.
0: I was just curious about uh, uh, learning from people. Myself, uh, learning from editors is a biggie because my editor basically, as she read my first fiction novel, said, Mike, you uh, really suck at PL, multiple POV. Uh, you know, you uh, I, what did she called it headhunting, where I'd say, I'd be in a person's brain, and then I would be in another person's brain, another person's brain, and she said the reader is getting pretty exhausted. But, but I'd be curious, because you have multiple POV. Uh, are you doing that to make the reader guess, um, you know, maybe because it's a mystery?
2: Uh, that's absolutely why there's multiple POVs, so that you are left seeing all these diverse characters, but also wondering... Who in the world is the good guy and who's the bad guy? Because every one of the characters could be both, you know, in this journey. So,
1: yeah, well, we all have good side and bad sides, and, yep. and absolutely people that write about
0: Jack the Ripper show their bad side. All <laughs> <on>. <laughs> See, I do that on purpose to make people think that I'm a good guy because there's not too many bad people after Jack exactly. the Ripper. So <laughs> you know, exactly, know what's going on. Um,
1: how has this whole process um, it changed you? Do you think, because you know, going through it all, um, you know, writing it and going through the emotions and then getting it published, that whole process um, will affect you? Like it will, it, you know, it changes people. And wh- what do you think you're you got out of this?
2: Oh wow. Um... When I was going through writing Little Al, I also was on my own self-discovery journey of trying to figure out why I was having such bad PTSD and anxiety and fear all the time. And so as I was walking with my characters through their journey, I was also walking through my own journey of asking those hard questions, just like I was asking my character to do those hard questions. and. You know, and it's so interesting in novels because they tell you, you know, you have to kill your darlings and you have to make your characters really hurt. And I did not love that concept at the beginning when I started writing the book, but realized just like life, we have to fall down. We have to hurt. We have to go through these hard things so that we can actually understand the depth of why we're behaving this way, why we're showing up a certain direction, so that we can also gain that awareness to change if we choose to do so. And so the characters have got to hurt. They have to go through um, the pain. And so I walked through and was really honest with myself, right along with my characters, and it, it, it I say that it healed me and it helped me to be able to... Um, just explore myself at a much deeper level and be honest with myself on the page. Um, Where I helped my characters, my characters really helped me too,
1: so. It sounds like you like to hurt them, so it's a little bit of an (laughs) S&M sort of thing, you know, something going on here. But that that leads me to to wonder um, what your relationship with your characters are. You know, we've talked to a lot of writers, fiction writers, over the years, and I always ask them, uh, and I get all sorts of answers. I have people that say, "Well, they're like it's like my children, it's like my family." It's mm-hmm. like my I get all these different answers. What's your relationship like?
2: I would say family friend type type connection. Of okay, I'm leaning more to friends, like really deep friends where. Um, you want to root for your friends, you want to support them on their journey, but they're the friends that feel like family. So not blood family, but the family you choose um, to have are what my characters feel to me.
1: So it must be an emotional journey in a sense for you, because your characters are important to you.
0: Yes. So yes. you don't offset <laughs> <laughs> Get a good, good and good character, and then awesome.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Michael, but I, ha- I did, and that's so hard, and I
0: cried. Oh boy, that's really brave <laughs> Oh boy, <Wow. laughs> I gave away the book. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: well, you didn't tell us which character's death. So, um, yeah, but uh, but that's that's interesting. So when you, are, do you actually hear your characters? Then are you one of those writers that hears voices? in your head, and it's these characters, and and um, can they do things that surprise you?
2: Sometimes, yes. Um, man, there were a few scenes, and I'm not going to do any spoilers, but there were a few scenes where I was trying to write it a very specific way, and I was writing it a specific way because I wanted my characters safe, and I didn't want them to hurt, and... I woke up at three in the morning, one evening, and Adeline, my main character, was, like, very loud. Like, this is what you need to do for the story to work. Like, this this is my journey. This isn't yours. This is what we're going to do, kind of a conversation. And I was so mad at her, because I was like, no, you can't do that. Like, because I knew what was going to happen, and I didn't want it to happen, because I am so close to her character, but it was exactly what needed to happen and what she wanted to have happen in the story. So, um, yeah, it definitely, it definitely does happen where, um, they kind of speak their own story and it's not what I would choose for them.
1: <laughs> wow. So. Poor husband. <laughs> <Just> sitting there <laughs> screaming with someone, nobody there and fighting <laughs> with a character at three in the morning. punching bag and ever my god i'll tell you how long has your husband been in counseling
2: uh... you know privately probably since he's known me but you know i don't know is it up to five
1: days a week Oh, that's terrible now the title little al where does the title come from is it important
2: yes so there is a character within the book Um, that's a person from Adeline's past that calls her Little Owl. And um, I leave it open in multiple areas, but it is something that she, it's a trigger for her and she's trying to understand if it's a trigger because there's something, a bad memory tied to Little Owl or if it's an endearing memory and, but she can't remember. Um, But that name definitely is a trigger for her within her own um, story.
0: Mm. So And the sheriff in the town is connected somehow because he sees a, a necklace or something?
2: Yes. So the sheriff, Officer Abbott, his daughter goes missing a year before the Rushner girls go missing. But when each of the girls go missing, there's a owl necklace left at the crime scene. And so that's how Af- Officer Abbott comes in of... Uh, this happened to my daughters and so he's now questioning Adeline and Cash and it almost re-engages him to come back into solving the own mystery of what happened to his own daughter as well
0: Oh, interesting
1: how, how do you decompress um, after something like this I, I'd imagine you have to after going through a project like this a writing project um, what what do you do to kind of uh, feel better
2: well, Alan, that could be a bag of red vines <laughs> or it could be playing the piano or it could be uh, the punching bag or the tarp in the basement moment. I'm just kidding. Not that part. No, but, no. Um.
1: <laughs> It's the <just a> crack. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> no, like, I mean, I just it, you, like, you know, some people will listen to music, some people will take a trip. Like, is there something that helps you kind of unwind? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I no,
2: I I actually you know We no, yeah, fear is not my thing personally, but I have more power to <laughs> you.
0: Oh, oh, I started. You know, I liked Lori. I really liked it. Oh,
2: <laughs> now we're moving into the try to make Laurie cry segment. Yeah, right. I yep. see where we
0: are. Yep.
1: Getting <laughs> close to the grind time.
2: We're almost to the end. Um. But playing piano, that definitely, uh, I love playing the piano, and that really helps calm and soothe me down. But it also, when you're playing the piano, you can also blow off steam as well as calm yourself while the music is playing. And so, um, yeah, I would definitely say playing the piano for me is the thing I go to, uh, to reprieve after some tough scenes and finishing up.
1: Hard projects so who do you have for influences
2: oh for um author influences yeah, yeah
1: whatever whatever seeps into this um sort of writing some people it's music some people it's movies it could be other authors um maybe uh netflix like is there some sort of thing that you you love to do um that kind of creates who you are
2: Yes. Um, so with Little Al, I listened to a lot of Evanescence. Um, her songs were really a big piece that I listened to that's a part of who I am, but I also implemented and listened to her songs while I was writing the book. Um, as far as authors goes, Mary Higgins Clark and Tana French are some of my favorite authors that really inspired uh, putting a multiple POV book together, I was terrified to do... I didn't know if I could pull off a multiple POV book because it is very challenging to get into other people's heads. Hence <laughs> 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 the 11 years, guys. That I mean, oh, yeah. you know. Yeah. But um, they really inspired... They're fantastic writers for doing multiple POV, um, and it c- inspired me to at least just try to see what I could do to create multiple characters within the book. so Yeah. Would that answer your question, Alan?
1: Yeah, 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 I know. Michael Hawley, he's just a little bit uh, schizophrenic, so it's not a... He's he's just a little, so... Um, I see
2: why you have the dartboard, Michael. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, I see it. Yeah. Okay, so now, um, how do you like um, people to get a hold of you? Do you have like a website, or do you have a place that you want people to go to and uh, send you all their their love mail and stuff, or what?
2: Love mail, yes, I love <laughs> I love love mail. Um, LariShoenfeld dot com would be perfect. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook under Lari schoenfeld as well, just my first and last name on all platforms. Um, Reach out to me in any way that you would like, that feels best for you, and I'd be happy to talk to you.
1: Perfect. We'll have that linked up on our site as well, so people can find you with one click when they're listening, and uh, now, how was the pandemic for you? Did it affect your writing?
2: A little bit, yeah. I homeschooled my kids for 17 months, which... Was quite the experience. I actually really enjoyed teaching them. Surprised. I was surprised that I enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, but that definitely, as far as writing time went, I had a very limited bracket of when I could do that every single day. And so that even actually encouraged me even more of you have three hours right now where you're not teaching your children school and helping them this is your time for writing, so either you create or you don't, but if you don't, then you miss it for the day. And so um, it definitely got shortened on my writing a little bit, but it it was funny as I actually wrote more through the pandemic because of that. I was like, okay, I got three hours, and I sat down and I did it because I really wanted to show up to my characters, and I knew that's all I had for the day. So... Mm. Um, I don't know. For it, it really propelled me into more, more writing, and talking about a lot of topics that are going on in the pandemic. Um, it really inspired me to ask the questions about those as well, which brought me to different stories that I'm currently writing right now. So,
1: I, I wonder, but you know, with um, your experience um, dealing with um, stress and anxiety. When when there's something really dark going on around, like so, we're when we're in the pandemic, and you've got anti-mask rallies, and you've got uh, mm-hmm. you know all the you know the politics and all the a lot of um, nastiness going on all around you, right? Um, mm-hmm. And negative stuff. Um, how do you how do you keep it so that it doesn't get into your writing, or do you think it's just going to be in there and you have no control over that?
2: Um, I think that you'll see both, you know, that there's always going to be, when we write stories, it's coming from a place of asking questions, uh, of wondering why things are happening the way that they're happening, why people behave the way they behave, why we're behaving the way we behave. Um, It is really an investigative space when you're writing a story. And so if you're being really real and authentic to yourself and what's going on in your time, um, in the in this time and place, there's always going to be those pieces, I think, that come in that are going to be top topics, um, that are going to be relatable and real, but also it gives you the opportunity, if you allow it to, when you're writing, to see from different POVs and perspectives as well, um, which helps form the novel to bring in those hard topics, but also look from more of a compassionate, empathetic space and also look for from a very frustrated and angry space and try to mesh that emotion together and see what happens.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how things look back in 10 mm-hmm. years or 20 years and you see things that were done and how people were. And you, you look back at it you know, after a lot of times passed and kind of go, wow, yeah, I think it's crazy. Because um, there is some craziness that's for sure, you know. Yeah, um, you no, know, let's talk about your podcast before we go. So, wh- what can you tell people about your podcast, and where they can find it, and what what they're going to get if they tune in?
2: Perfect. Um, the Enlightenment podcast is on the Authors on Air Global Radio Network. Um, it's under the Enlightenment podcast on Facebook, and you can find it on Spotify, Instagram, Twitter. Um, they post it up on the Authors on Air site as well. Um, Each show is a guest that comes on and talks about their own hero's journey, so you're going to expect to hear about some real raw topics of different hard things that they've personally experienced, but also how they've also overcome those hard experiences and what they are now doing to help support themselves, their community, and their family um, from what they learned on the hard experiences that they went through. Uh, we talk about books, we talk about businesses, we talk about music, art, um, but it's all tied to who they are and why they are the way that they are as well.
1: Wow. Do you guys talk about crack cocaine too? Or?
2: That has not hit the Enlightenment podcast. Okay. Well, no.
1: i <laughs> feeling that out there, you know. Uh, I, I see Nancy Drew, is you're a Nancy Drew enthusiast. Ooh. What, what do you like about Nancy Drew?
2: Oh, my goodness. Nancy Drew, um, when I was going through my abuse as a child, I read Nancy Drew books. And what I loved about Nancy is that she's extremely curious that even when somebody tells her that that's not realistic or that doesn't make sense, she doesn't take that for her answer. She still goes and investigates and finds out what feels good to her and and does her own adventurous, curious journey within herself. Um, She's very fiery. She's very independent. Uh, She continually likes to find the mystery behind the mystery so just because someone says the mystery is done she's always looking for but wait how did it begin um, we're not done yet with the mystery and I loved that though growing up I think I really needed that sense um, as I felt very I felt very like weak when I was a kid and very alone and when I was reading Nancy Drew books it made me feel like I could be anything and I could explore and investigate. Anything that was going on and that that was safe and that was okay and that wonder and mystery were all just a part of life. And so she kind of was my avatar uh, that helped me through some of that trauma to move forward. So, yay, Nancy.
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounds very really important. That sound, that's great. I think that you uh, should be glad you had something like that, really, you know. So you, you think you're going to be a mystery writer eventually? Like a, uh, yes, yeah. I love mystery. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, that could be interesting. You like the old mysteries, like the old? Do you listen to the old mystery shows and stuff like that, or you, not really?
2: I you know I love all genres of mystery. There's so many different genres that they have. that are mashed together. Um, I love the classics. I love the older versions of mystery um that we know of but i also love how they're putting in mysteries like noir mysteries suspense mysteries we have dystopian mysteries um there's so many different mashups that are happening right now which is i just think is super fun
1: yeah
2: so yeah wow
1: well laurie you you've done it all look at you i mean wow uh, and and just remember, like if, if anybody, do not hang out in the uh, parks, because on the bench might be Laurie, and she's going to write a story. So we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot here, and this is uh, pretty interesting. So, um well, <laughs> and, you know, don't let those voices tell you to do things that you don't want to do. Just remember that,
0: you know.
2: Um, Ellen, this makes me laugh because, Uh, When I had a critique session this like six years ago, I was sitting at a table with three other lovely ladies and they were looking at me and looking back at my manuscript that they read like a month previously to give me critiques and kept looking at me and back at the manuscript and they were like, you look so nice. How did you write this? So,
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that—that's when you explained that your husband was tied up in the basement.
0: And, uh, and, 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 uh,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. I see. And you had pictures and all that. That's great. Wonderful. Well, it's been a certainly. It's been a very enlightening show. Ooh. That's right. Indeed. Indeed. So, um, our guest has been uh, the great Laurie Schoenfeld. Thank you for being here.
2: Thank you so much, Alan
1: and Michael. Nice,
0: nice speaking with you, Laurie. Tired of wasting time trying to decide what to watch on your streaming service? Go to our website and look for the Martino movie reviews. Get the latest news and opinions from Eric Shapiro from the House of Mystery website. In the Shapiro Report... This is been a production of something with media.